Hey guys, it's Michelle Collins. Welcome to the Michelle Collins Show. It's my show and I'm thrilled you're here. We're going to be bringing you episodes every single week with different co-hosts, the same usual nonsense, off-the-cuff humor, news, advice, pop culture. I know it's a novel concept for a podcast, but what can I say? I'm an innovator. That's what I do. You'll be getting episodes every week, but if you want to hear daily episodes, you can head over to my Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I have co-hosts every single day. It's funny. It's loose. It's authentic. I do weekly episodes with my mother. If you're curious as to how someone is made this way, I highly recommend tuning into those and some video content as well, which is exciting. I'm off to contour, but I want you to enjoy this episode. It's fabulous. We adore you and we look forward to seeing you over on the Patreon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Forever. Dog. Hi, everybody. It's Michelle Collins. It's part two. We've taken two whole days in between recording parts one and this part. Um, I didn't even wait a breath to say welcome back. I was like, thank you for being here. And we're back. Uh, hi, thank I'm here you. with Brian Moylan, who is just, first of all, dapper, always dressed to the nines, has a new book out called The Housewives. The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives. It is a fabulous book. I noticed the people quoted on the back. Um, some of the housewife greats, Joel Zarin, Kenya, Lisa Rinna, Heather Dubrow, Phaedra, Dr. Wendy, Tamara Barney, Melissa, and Erica Jane. I mean, I just have to say this, and I am going to bring up my million-dollar London idea, but are you friends with these women now? Do you, Are you involved in... Is there any tension between you and some of these ladies with this book, I have to imagine you're not friends with all of them. Um, I, well, I go through Erica Jane's book. So we have a relationship and are okay. friendly and I still talk to her occasionally and see her and stuff. But other than that, my whole career, I've really tried to keep the housewives a little bit at arm's length because I write recaps for the shows. And then, you know, and I go from loving them to slagging them off to loving them, to slagging them off. And so I didn't want to have like, Oh, I, you know, I really love Sonia which I do love Sonia. And, and so, but now I know her and I don't want to say mean things about her. So I've always kind of kept them a little bit at bay. And also what makes for great housewives makes for awful dinner companions. Um, so like as much as I love watching Ramona Singer, I don't want to have to have dinner with Ramona Singer and like listen to her talk about herself for hours on end. Like that doesn't seem like very much fun. So I'm not really close with the women. I interviewed about a dozen for the book. Um, some of who, some of whom were on the record, some of whom are off the record. Oh. But most of those were just like, um, you know, I got some introdu- introductions from friends of friends, but a lot of it was just me like reaching out and them agreeing to do it. And so I don't have like a big relationship with them. Um, the reason why we have housewives praising themselves on the back of the book is because we sort of had to rush the book out um, 
And so we didn't have a chance to send out advanced copies to people to get like blurbs. And that's because Bravo not only didn't want um, me to do this book and when they found out about it and learned they couldn't control it and make money off it, they uh, emailed all of the housewives and told them to talk, not to talk to me. But then after that, they put their own book in motion and we're trying to rush that out to beat my book. So then we were like, well, we're going to rush faster. And um, that's what we did. What if I just opened this up and it was all hand scrawled by you in crayon? I'm like, now, when you say you rushed it, I can't even read this. I mean, this is just nonsense. I mean, that's essentially it. We did not proofread it. We didn't copy edit it. It's just like seven run on sentences. About the housewives, me just being like, blah, 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 blah. Well, I, you know, I'll say this. I, first of all, the last thing I ever want in my life is to be on Andy Cohen's bad side. I've said this before you've been on the show. I love Andy. I technically work with Andy at Sirius. So I, you know, it's my, it's my worst fear and worst nightmare. So I'd like to start by saying, I'm sorry that you're on his bad side. Cause I, it's a place I never want to be. You agree well, with me there. he said, I made a joke on Twitter about how both he and Anderson Cooper hate me. And Andy responded and said, oh, Brian, I don't hate you. I think you're a hilarious writer. But I think that secretly he might hate me. Um, well, speaking of business. serious, Go on. Speaking of serious, I was supposed to be on um, Radio Andy last week. And mysteriously, I was oh, no. canceled um, just hours before going on the air. So... Well, I'm like starting to think Um, that I'm like really brave for talking to you. Like I'm so, it's actually (laughs) insane to forget you. It's crazy how brave I am. Like uh, I'm putting myself on the line for this. Yeah. I know. Usually I'm only in the business of ruining my career, but apparently (laughs) I'm ruining Michelle's career now too. I hope there's room in your new, I hope there's room in your new house for me. Um, I would love to be your like housekeeper, you and Christian, Brian's partner who, uh, Brian, I love how when I met Christian, we've always been friendly, but not like close friends. We like we're acquaintances. Right. Now I think we're much better friends. But then I met Christian and I'm like best friends with Christian. I like adore Christian and I could sit and talk shit for literal hours and hours on end. You're a perfect couple. Yeah. And I just sit there and like listen to you two. And then so and then when you were in London, we were seeing you like once a week. On the regs, because, you know, you didn't know a ton of people was locked down. I felt like I know nobody. you had, like, nothing to do. And <laughs> then, know. like, a couple weeks afterwards, Christian would be like, I miss Michelle Collins. I wonder how she's doing. Aww. We haven't checked in with her. So he's um, very excited that you're oh. returning to London. You know, there's, like, us. so many updates when I come back. Like, I'm coming back with the whole, but enough about me. Back to you. I think that Bravo doing this <laughs> to you, if anything, is such a blessing. I'm sure you know that because it's so much yeah. juicier for you for people to think like, oh, shit, this is like fully unauthorized. Like, what does he say in the book that Bravo doesn't want you to know? So really, it's a blessing. And I can also see from their perspective why they wouldn't want to have you on their side, because, listen, it's money, money, money. That's what every yes, that's what everything totally. is about, except for me, obviously, in this business, because I make. No money. But, um, okay, I have no grace, to quote Elaine Bennis. Uh, but, you know, so it, it, everybody kind of wins in a way. No, and I get it. They're, like, doing their job in protecting this, like, billion-dollar brand. Like, yeah. I, I totally understand, though I may disagree with it. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think that in the book, all of the producers and editors and camera people I talked to who are really, like, the best interviews, they said that, you know, you can't use my name because if Bravo finds out, I'll never get a job again. But so I, I granted everyone anonymity, which I think then they they were allowed to say the things that they want to say when Bravo's not listening. Wow. And so, so yeah. I guess so my I question think that we you. get a much yeah. different vision of what the house is like than the stuff, the behind the scenes stuff we usually get that's Bravo approved. See, I would think for you, and and I guess now we can start. I didn't even give you my million-dollar London idea, which is opening up a sweet green. Having a salad bar. They don't have any salads in that fucking whole city. What is that? I have no idea. And it's like they also can't make a sandwich. The only sandwiches they want are like sandwiches in a box from Pret. And I'm like, no. Like automat, like honeymooners, put a nickel in the machine and get it out. It's like the most disgusting, like old ham. They don't. Every now and again, you can hit on a good meal there, but the lack of salads, even delivery sucks there. Everything comes, it's so small. You're like in New York, you get like yes. delicious 
even in LA, like really good, nicely packaged delivery in London. Everything looks like shit. It's just like, ugh. But then I lost weight it's, when I was there. I was like, oh, maybe I should just like, you know, get thin and live here forever. Because the food is, I mean, yes. people joke about the food being bad, but the food really is bad. It is but bad. I, yeah. I don't even think we could start with opening a sweet green, which I would like be all for. I think we need to start with like a just salad or like a chopped. Like, oh, yeah. Like, it would be our shittier version. Yes, 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 yes. No, I'm not saying that we actually like, um, I want to have much like you did with this book. I want to break free of the sweet green. And have our own unauthorized sweet green where we have like, you know, um, secret off the record feta and like, <laughs> like old kale. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. Okay, back to the book. I love the housewives. I've been a fan since OC season one. I mean, I, I, this is really a, a world that I have been a part of forever. When you were reaching out to these women, first of all, how, I don't even know where to begin with this. Just the the women that we watch on the show, is that who they really are? From the ones that I know, I would say yes, it pretty much is. If anything, they're maybe a little cooler in real life. They're not as wild. But what? who has been a great surprise to you, if you can reveal any of your sources, who is like a, maybe a little bit different or a blind item? Um, I will say that all of the housewives I have met were exactly who they were on the show. And you're you're right. exactly right. I think that the cam they like bring it for the cameras and I think the cameras bring out something in them that they don't um it, it just like raises the volume a bit. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I think that everybody really is like they are on television. I will say that when I was working with Erica Jane, I was surprised at how hard of a worker she is. Um, especially considering, you know, a lot of fans think she's withholding or hiding things or whatever, but I mean, she fucking works hard. And so I was very impressed by that, but that said, she's still exactly who she is on the show. She's just showing you a little different aspect of her. Well, you know, don't be mad at me for asking you this because I'm your friend and I want to protect you. But obviously Erica Jane is dealing with a public divorce right now that is involving like, am I wrong to say orphans? Like it's like the darkest, (laughs) like they stole money out of like the mouths of hungry orphans, like from the Simpsons or something. What exactly (laughs) happened? What is the accusation against Tom that's happening? So her husband, Tom's law firm is basic is accused of basically running like a legal Ponzi scheme where they were taking money from lawsuits and then using that money to pay old clients and then having to get like new settlements to pay the, the other money. And so, cause what you're supposed to do is when you get the money for the Settlement. widows and orphans, it, yeah. it's supposed to go like right to them. You can't use it for other stuff, but he was monkeying around with their money. And yeah. there were, uh, one was, uh, one of the suits was plane crash victims. Yes. Right. Um, so there were literal widows and orphans from the plane crash victims, but Dorit Kemsley says that in the um, trailer for the season. Oh, widows and orphans! Doesn't that just make you sick? So I think that's how we've landed on widows and orphans. <laughs> but um, go on, yeah. I'm so laughing. I talked to I, Erica. I like how that's a laugh line for me. I'm like, oh, widows and orphans, hearty, really, hard. right? No, because it's so 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 dark. It's so dark, and you have to laugh. Like what? Um, There is a bank in um, in England called uh, Scottish Widows, which is like if I could choose a bank, that would be my bank. Is the Scottish Widows? By the way, that's not a bank. That's like my dream life. I'd love to be a Scottish (laughs) widow. Are you kidding me? Me in Glasgow, just being like, I'll never forget him. He was an amazing man. That is an excellent Scottish accent, by the way. Wait, it wasn't I mean, bad. I ha- my brain literally stops working. It's like, you know, when people like um, see the light, when I do an accent, if I do Irish, I have to shut down every working part of my brain and focus it all on my mouth. It's not easy, Brian Moylan. It's not good. That was bad. See, it's not always that, good. It wasn't as good as the first one, but it was yes. still good. I can't do it at all. And sometimes when I'm at the weight rows, I feel like when I open my mouth and they hear an American that it's like you being tall, like they just assume like certain things. So I wish I could fake uh, English accent just so that mm. people would think I'm normal. Should I try to do but that when I'm do... there? It's like, yeah, I said scallion hummus, not the regular <laughs> kind. I don't like the regular hummus. I only like scallion flavored. 
It's not bad. I think you should do. That was pretty good. I, I think you should do a Gemma Collins accent when you oh. are in, like a rough Essex accent. That's a really hard one. I, I would need to listen You're to right, babes. Yeah. That's as, that's as like, close as I can get. It's like Cecily Strong when she does um, Gemma. I'm Gemma. I'm a singer. Yeah. Hi. I know it's it's hard to do. I have to listen more to it. I never got into uh, Love Island. I know that that's like a big Love Island accent that I haven't. I know. That's I'm, how I learned all my regional accents was by watching Love Island. It's like, oh, she he sounds like that girl and she's from Manchester. So he must be from Manchester. <laughs> but guess who? But like, for like these idiots. Um, OK, wait, going back to Housewives, though. So who did you meet? Well, I have. So I don't have Wait, any questions. So, you know, I don't do any professional so, interviews. It's like me. My brain is speeding ahead of my mouth because I'm excited. Keep going. So Erica Jane, I talked to her. She was taken by surprise. Um, she had no idea any of this was going on. Uh, she told me. And I think she's still trying to figure out, you know, what kind of impact is going to be on her. And there are lawyers right. and accountants and all those people involved now. So do you think that she... Yeah. This is the question. I'm going to say something. I have to assume. Yes. And I, I always think I'll say this. When Sandra Bullock was dating, who's that guy? Jesse James. And he had yes. like Nazi paraphernalia. And she was like, I didn't know he had not like Sarah. Sandra Bullock knew that he had Nazi paraphernalia. There's just no way you don't know that about the man that you live with. So I always do blame, not blame, but I include the women in things. I have to assume she was a little bit on top of it and knew a little bit about it? I mean, I, she told me, <clears throat> excuse me, she did not, but I, I also feel like, you know, Christian says like, I make this much money a year. Here's like the money. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. And then when right. he like pays for a trip, I just assume it's like coming from a real place. So I, see. I, I feel like she might have felt the same way. And also it seems like, what he he him monkeying around with clients money seems to have started before Erica came around. Oh, and so when in eighteen seventy three that I mean they how old me? is Tom? I said in eighteen seventy three. How old is Tom? He's uh, got to be eighty five years old. Eighty. Uh, yeah, he's wow. eighty some. He looks good for that. I'll be honest with you. He's not the worst looking yeah. mid eighty year old I've ever seen. Yeah. I was going to ask if you were friendly because I see she's the very first name in your book. And if there's any housewife that I've ever met who's always eager to chat, it's uh, Jill Zarin. So I have to assume that Jill also went on the record because it her bitterness about being let go from that show is palpable. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm just saying, you know, she's dying to get back on would in a heartbeat. Um, so how was that experience with Jill? So I have a long relationship with Jill in that um, she was my intern for a day at Gawker back in the day, R.E.P. And we like made a video and we made her like answer the phones and wow. go buy everyone tacos and, you know, do grunt work <laughs> around funny. the office. Yeah. And it was hilarious. And so I've, you know, always had a friendship with Jill. And then when I write my Vulture recaps for Houses of New York, they always end with Jill and she's kind of outside of the frame, like trying to get back on the show, about to kidnap a housewife, like lurking <laughs> in the bushes. And so I've always like had a, you know, place in my heart for Jill. And um, I reached out to her to talk for the to the about the book, and I didn't hear back from her. Wow! But then I reached out to her former manager and publicist. His name's Darren Betancourt, and um, and he also uh, worked with Tinsley Mortimer. He's worked with a bunch a bunch of the guys from Million Dollar Listing, um, and so he talked to me, and <gasps> um, I know he had talked to Jill before talking to me. So I feel like. Darren was like my Jill, if that makes sense. I see. So Jill didn't talk to you for the book. That's that surprises me. No. Well, because I think that she wants so badly back on the show, she wasn't going to run afoul of Bravo and actually talk to me. In a way, I, I keep thinking, am I making the biggest mistake of my career talking to you? If Jill's Aaron won't. <laughs> am I fucking myself over right now? If Jill knows better, how am I doing this? But friendship um, trumps everything, Brian. I'm sorry. Aviva Drescher wouldn't talk to me. She like scheduled an interview and then a week later, like canceled. 
So I'm fainting about that. What's the deal with that? I know. That? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm fainting. I'm fainting. I'm going to throw all my legs off. I can't. Wait, what's the deal with that, um, Harry Dubin? I, you know, I, my joke about him, I call him Malachimovis, the angel of death, because every time I'm on the Upper East Side or even sometimes in Midtown, I will turn a little too fast and he'll be right next to me. I have probably seen him no less than 15 times in this city. He's always bug eyed, always roaming the streets, always leering. Um, why are these women, is there no other dick on the Upper East Side? Like, why are they so on this man's dick? I have no idea. Well, and that they're all like sharing Sonia's boyfriends. They all slept with yeah. Tom. It's like, yeah, how many attractive bachelors are there on the Upper East Side? I mean, listen, there are, it's funny. There's like maybe five because anytime I go to the Regency, which, oh, by the way, dark days at the Regency. I last week was on the Upper East for a doctor's appointment and um, I thought I was on the phone with a friend. I thought I'm all dressed up. I'll go to the Regency, have a martini because their martinis come in those like Didavon teas glasses. Like I could like curl yeah. up in it, take a nap. And, but they're like thirty five dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. So I went and I looked in and it was like every seat they have to socially distance the bar, which have you ever been to the Regency? It is a shithole. I have been to the Regency and I ran into Ben and Ronnie from Watch What Crap Is. No. I ran into like a publicist from Bravo. It was just like all Bravo fans at the Regency. I feel like it is East Coast pump at this point. It's like that is exactly right. God, that's smart. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It is a it is dark days there um, because it for those who haven't been. And I always say this. I always thought it was going to look more like the Oak Room at the Plaza, like have some sort of. Yeah like richness to it. And really it's a hotel lobby bar with like wayfair.com furniture. Like it's shitty. It's not a nice looking bar. All the bartenders there love me. There's a really hot little Russian guy who always shows me pictures of his dog. And then of course, like his girlfriend and then a guy who looks just like Jeremy irons. I know all the bartenders and they're all very nice to me, but I went in and there they have was a very like, good snack mix at the Regency. Oh, the, the best snack mix and delicious popcorn. And I'll tell you this for your 30 bucks. Oh my God, my UPS guy is here. Hold, please. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I may have to get up in a second. I had to buy two air purifiers because my neighbor started smoking. And, uh, but I think it was like one, I thought he broke up with his girlfriend and he was like smoking whatever. And so my apartment smelled like cigarettes, which is a smell I cannot deal with. Like, I can't. Uh, The worst. It it actually made me almost vomit. I'm not joking. I felt sick. So I bought, I spent $400 on Amazon on three fucking air purifiers and they came. And Brian, they're like literally the size of Rosie from the fucking Jetsons. I'm like, I live in a one bedroom. Like I have no room for this thing. So I had to now pay $25 to have UPS come pick it up. So if that's my UPS guy, I'm going to tip him. I have seven. I had $7 in my purse and they're going into his pocket. Let me hear for him. But anyway, I just put him outside for that guy. Ugh, cigarette smoke. Just awful and everyone's smoking now because people have nothing to live for don't you find that to be true um i find that totally to be true and um last time i was here in los angeles christian went home early and i was bored and the only thing open was the dispensary and so i was like maybe i'll get stoned and so i've become like a late in life stoner here in los angeles now that it's like legal you know that Um, pot is one of the reasons i had to like take anti-anxiety pills because marijuana made me so anxious Yes. And I always thought this happened to me in college. And then like last May, a friend came over with edibles and I was like, oh, I'm fine. Even talking about it makes me feel crazy. I was like, oh, I'm fine on edibles. And and I can do other drugs. Not that I do a lot, but I am not like some weird, you know, God, I'm the sort right. of person who's like allergic to drugs. And I genuinely was like, you have to take me to the hospital. Like I thought I was going to die. My heart, it was awful, awful. So I know from now on, no pot. And the fact that they've legalized it, I think on a progressive level i like it because i don't think people should go to fucking jail for having pot on them but on a personal comfort level i hate it because you know i have to walk by now clouds of weed smoke all around new york city and it's i'm not cool i'm not a cool person i think people people know that i'm not but i'll hammer the point home i feel that way about drinking like i never liked it it makes me feel gross i always throw up and so yeah i just like was like okay this is not for me oh do you not drink anymore no, I never did, wow. really. Wow. Yeah. Ugh, Christian I drinks feel like, for the both of us. Uh, well, that's, that's what we're going to be doing over the summer. So, like, warn him in advance. Oh, my God. We, and speak of things English people don't understand, not drinking, like, blows their minds. And they're oh, like, oh, you don't drink, so you'll have a beer? And it's like, no, I, like, don't <laughs> drink anything. <laughs> 
Thank you. Oh my God. I'm so excited to see you. I love that I've um, forced the both of you to be my friend. That's like pretty much the smartest thing I've ever done. Okay. Let's go back. By the way, speaking of watch what crappens, I noticed, um, Something in the book confused me because I fl- happened to flip the first page I flipped to mentioned uh, Ben and Ronnie from Watchwood Crappens. And it said yeah. that one of the moderators lied about a flood in their house. And I thought it was Ben or Ronnie, who I'm dear friends with. But then I realized you meant a moderator of their website. <clears throat> yeah, one of the moderators of some. It was like someone created a Facebook group that was like fans of Watchwood Crappens. And one of the moderators of that group. Uh, lied about a flood to like get free things and you can never trust people online I'm telling you like I anytime I see something for a charity I'm always like no no unless I know the person I'm like no 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 I'm not giving I'm not cash apping anybody I don't Venmo people right I yeah, just I'm don't not do that. GoFunding me for your yeah yeah no don't don't go for your medical bills I'm also shocked you Um, have the real I will say like What was amazing about researching like the Housewives fan communities and like Facebook groups and things is that everything about Housewives eventually turns into Housewives. So it's like, you know, you have (laughs) this Facebook group and you're talking about Housewives and now they're just like, you know, swapping insults and like yelling at each other and bringing the receipts and dragging people. And yeah. What did you think about Denise Richards? Can I say before you say what you thought? I thought she was yeah. one of the worst housewives to ever be cast. I did not like her. I Her energy was just awful to me. I, you know who else I can't stomach is Sutton. There is something about those ladies that is just negative, judgmental, unhappy, unhappy. I don't like to watch unhappy women on these shows. I like happy, ideally non-drunk girls. What do you think? Um, I don't disagree with you. And I think that if we don't have happy, we can at least have delusional and that they like believe everything is good or that they're the best. Um, I feel like I liked Denise the first season because I think that Beverly Hills in particular needs a little bit of like bubble popping. And I liked Denise's first season when she was like, you two, you all dress up so much and I'm Denise Richards and I'm just wearing shorts. And I liked that having that flavor on the show. But then the second season, then it was all like crazy. And then when we learned about the husband and the like oh. pharmaceutical industry is like, yeah, then it just got like nuts. And then, you know, she thought she could be on the show, but not like talk about all this stuff. And I don't know. It was, I just feel um, like, if, you, you know, was who's one season. of the worst mistakes. One of the worst mistakes on that show ever was Brandy. And why I say that is because Brandy Glanville is someone who just has nothing to lose ever. Like there is no bottom deep enough for Brandy. And so she will do anything it takes to get on camera. She will do anything to stay relevant. And I feel like she saw an opportunity with that Denise story and just ran with it. And I'm not a fan of Brandy's either. I I just find I, I think to myself, that's someone's mother. You know what I mean? That's a mom. Yes. Like, how can you... There have to be standards just to be human these days, you know? Well, and did you see the um, Instagram story of her son? No. That she put... It, it was... So she put an Instagram story with her son and tagged Andy Cohen on it. And he was saying, like, Andy, you told my mom that if she, like, did this, she could be back on the show. And you haven't kept your promise. And... Blah, blah, blah. And it was like, but you're right. Like Brandy will. She'll cut you. She she has like no limits. No limits. I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like normally that might be good for a housewife, but with her, it was, yeah, a little little bit, a little too much and a little bit too dark. I'm like flipping, by the way, I actually am going to take this book with me to read on the plane because I'm. I'm getting excited. Like every chapter, I my heart is racing because I'm so excited to like know what the hell it is you're going to say. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask was about also production. Like how much of what we see, you know, is set up. And and I guess I have two questions. It's a two parter. One is production, and one is speaking of drinking. How? Why is it that so many alcoholics or people with uh, substance abuse problems? end up on the show is it it's chicken and the egg for me do they go on with a problem and then the fame exacerbates it or are the cameras just there capturing what they're like i think that in general you know people say that 
being on the show is going to widen all the cracks. And so I think that that's why you see so many people go on the show and end up getting divorces. Because I think that if you have cracks in your marriage, like being on the show just makes it worse. And so I think that that is probably true of these like drinking problems. Uh, Well, and you're in these situations where everybody's like, you're maybe nervous because you're on camera and then everybody's drinking. And I don't think that they're like feeding them drinks and trying to get them wasted like they do on, say, The Bachelor, where they like want people drunk so that um, it will make for good TV. I think that the women are doing it themselves. And um, I asked all the women about the, the housewives that I talked to and they were like, no, they don't pressure us to drink. This is just like what we do. Because it, it's um, almost like, well, sorry, I just want to say, I feel like the plot lines are becoming a little stale in that way, where you have Shannon, Bedore, I'm, and not to call everyone out, Dorinda, who's now not there anymore, obviously Luann, Sonia this season. I'm like, listen, yeah, there, I understand that there's pain that these women are dealing with, I because we all have pain in our lives, right? And some people do sadly turn to drinking to like numb that pain. But when it becomes so prevalent that basically every season has at least one drunk, if not more, I'm like, maybe the show should also offer therapy, like have a Sopranos element to it where they're bringing these women in to talk to professionals about not using alcohol to numb their pain. It's it's sad, frankly. I, I agree with you, but also I don't believe in any of those therapists that will appear on television. Fair. Like, I, I know what you mean. I, like, I, as, as soon as you're on television, I'm like, nope. There was one on Potomac <laughs> yeah. who, and he, he was, he, he was a therapist for like multiple of them. And he was like good and actually like, you know, held their feet to the fire and what we could see. And so him, I trust everyone else. No, but I keep joking that we should have a show and it's called doing the work. And we take all of the racist like Bravo celebrities and reality people like the Rachel Kirk Connells, Chris Harrison, Stasi, and Kristen yes. from Vanderpump Rules. And like the show is teaching them not to be racist. Wait, honestly, having a show called Doing the Work where you tear these people apart would be the highest rated show on TV. It would be so satisfying to watch. I don't know why you're not pitching this to, I don't know. Well, number one, I don't know who would agree to be on it. It's kind of like being like agreeing to be on Z way show. You know, you know that you're going to look like shit <laughs> yeah. on it. So why the but, fuck does anybody go on it? But yeah. But also I feel like, you know, if Chris Harrison goes on doing the work, then we, and like does the work, then we need to be like, you are allowed back in Chris Harrison. Well, he's going to be allowed back in anyway. Don't you think I there's, I don't oh, see totally a hundred percent. They're just biding their time until we forget to let him back in. But I think that, you know, Stasi could be like, my career is ruined, but if I go on doing the work, then I'm like certified non-racist slash anti-racist. <laughs> and now you can like cast me again. Well, you know what? It would be educational, I think, for a lot of people in this country as who think that certain things are okay to say and do, which are a hundred percent are not. And people still don't know how not to be a fucking dick. I mean, I- I'm almost grateful when yeah. people show themselves in that way. Cause I'm like, of course you are. But now we have proof, you know, that you're that person which we've known um, this whole time. Wait, let's talk about production because I know that you have a lot of interesting stuff in here. Yeah. If anything, I found that the shows are actually realer than we think they are. Really? And I think that a lot of time fans have like kind of conspiracy theories that, oh, Andy made Shannon and Vicky be friends again for the show or Bravo made them sit down or you know, whatever right. they, th- they see like the invisible hands of production and everything. And from all the producers I talked to, they said, if anybody, it's the women themselves who are sort of driving these storylines. And so, you know, and I talked to editors, like, is there such a thing as a villain edit? Like, is like, does Bravo come to you and say this season we're making Lisa Vanderpump look bad. And they said, no, like they just follow the story. And if all the women are mad at Lisa Vanderpump, then they need to like set up that story and show why they're mad at her. And so it's not like they're saying like, we're going to make you look bad and use like dirty tricks. They're just kind of following the story. And I think that there are every show is, um, there are several different production companies that make the shows. And so like, the same company makes Atlanta and Potomac, and apparently they're a lot more hands-on in producing than the company that makes Beverly Hills and Orange County. Oh, and so 
I think that there are, there's like, it's a little bit different for everyone, but I, I, I don't, production is never going in and saying like, you're, you're on this side of the fight, you're on that side of the fight, or you're going to say this and you're going to oh, wow. say this. I, they're just like putting them in these situations and, you know, the women know that they need to talk about whatever happened at the party. So they're just going to talk about whatever right. happened at the party and the producers may keep them on topic, but what the women are saying and how they're feeling is organic to the women themselves. It's funny to hear about that Potomac and Atlanta are more hands-on. I think Potomac is probably my favorite of all the cities. Um, I always say yes. this because the women are beautiful, successful, funny, confident, and they just are a pleasure to watch. Like, even the yes. ones that I don't like, and love, they're intelligent I, and they're smart, and they'll have yeah. like very, they have like discussions about race and like black women on television, and they use these opportunities to really like get into deep subjects. And that's right. They the cast has stayed very similar throughout it, so the women really do have close bonds and complicated dynamics. And yeah, I think that's for the best show. And there's Michael Darby, who I mean is just like gonna um, grab butts. I call him boss sleep baby. With hookers. Michael Darby, the boss baby. He is just. <laughs> he is 100% the boss baby. That's hilarious. He's just a big bald baby. And he loves to, I mean, he dips his um, nib in every well. He really just doesn't have any. And I like Ashley, by the way. I think Ashley is like not obviously a catch. She's stunning. She's very smart. Um, yeah. I don't get it. But you know, you never know with people. You just don't know. What's something that you learned for the book? that I guess shocked you the most? Like what was, I mean, obviously I don't want you giving the book away for free, but what are one of the things that when you got the info on, you were like, holy shit, this book should exist. And I'm, I'm happy to be writing this. One of uh, my like big Oprah light bulb moment was when I was talking to uh, this gentleman named Chris Oliver Taylor, and he produced Real Housewives of Melbourne, Real Housewives of Sydney, Real Housewives of Auckland. Okay. And so I was talking to him about how you put the show together, like what storylines you want to follow, whatever. And he said that what he found out is you figure out why each of the women is on the show, whether it's to escape a bad marriage, to find love, to launch a business, to get famous, whatever it is. And that's the storyline you follow. And that like really gave me a whole new lens to see the housewives. And it actually so gives a, I, it gives the show purpose actually, because it, as the viewer, yeah. otherwise, I think we would feel kind of floating in an abyss of just like, what is the point of all of this? But probably subconsciously, we know what these women are looking for. So, I mean, what would you say in New yes. York? Because now New York is um, one of the only cities, I think, where every woman is single, basically, right? There's not one. I, yeah. They're, and they're it has single. been for quite yeah. some time. Yeah. And is are all of those women single? Like, yeah, they are. Ebony is. I love Ebony, by the way. Finally, someone on I'm that show is also smart. She's smart. She's so put together. Um, I I just like her whole energy. She's someone who has her shit together, unlike pretty much everyone else sitting there. And you know, not to brag, you know, I did tour with Luann. So I am a part of the F Countess and Friends. You know, I did. Um, oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I had a good time. You know, listen, real talk. Is it worth it money-wise? I don't do it for the money because there basically is no money. Uh, and I realized kind of while going on these tours that what I got out of it was 10 minutes in front of a drunk, hilarious audience of like-minded people who I knew I would basically kill in front of. And so in a narcissistic way, I'm like, this is a great opportunity for me just to make new fans or, you know. Yeah. I would give anything these days to be on tour with Luann just to get up on a stage. I know that I, cause the thing is they show up and she's great. Look, she's drop dead gorgeous. I'm sure you've met her before, like a supermodel yes. stunning, but they go to her shows like thinking, I think that it's going to be better than it is. And it, and by the way, her band, just the epitome of professional. She's got Billy Stritch there. I mean, it's a real show, you know? Right. But then after like the initial, I think, um, buzz of seeing her passes, then it's like, all right, what are we doing here exactly? <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like the first after the first fifteen minutes, I feel like they're like, "Oh fuck, we have to sit through this for like an hour and a half," you know. So uh, she's smart to bring other people out. Well, and that's what I think is 
you know, no one is spending the hundred dollars to see Luann to think she's going to be good. Like you're right. not even really paying to see the show. You're paying to be part of this thing that you've watched on television that you love. You're paying money to be, like you said, around all these like-minded people. Because I think in a lot of instances, people, you know, uh, make fun of that. We love Bravo where they're like, oh, these women are awful or, you know, you shouldn't like this thing. Yes. And then you're in a room of people who aren't going to judge you for it, who are just as into it as you are, who speak the same language, who have the same jokes. And I think that that's a real thrill for people. And it's I found fun. that is, yeah. And that's what I found like going to BravoCon, just like being with all of those people. It's like such a great energy. Wait, boost. you were and, like, banned. Fans- you were banned from BravoCon. This I saw on your Instagram. I, was banned from I can't, I have to say something. And again, Bravo lover, technically, uh, associated with Bravo and greatest blessing on my life. I want people to know that I really mean that, but why would they ban you from BravoCon? What did you do? So I, they did not want me doing this book and they, um, not just blocked me from BravoCon. I was working on a number of stories. Like I was writing a story for the New York times about how, uh, reality shows were dealing with reunion specials during COVID. And, um, and they told my editor at the New York Times, if Brian's writing the story, then we won't participate because we're afraid he's going to use this information for his book. Oh, so, no. so Vulture, um, I told Vulture, I was like, I want to cover uh, BravoCon for you. And I, you know, write about the housewives for them for forever. And so my editor reached out to Bravo and they were like, no, Brian is not welcome here because it's a conflict of interest because of the book. So I, so then I went and I just bought tickets but then I wore a quote unquote disguise to get into BravoCon just so that they wouldn't notice me and throw me out. And they obviously, obviously did not I, like, recognize you. I mean, or maybe they didn't see me. I don't know. Because then I would like be sitting there and, you know, it was like all the Bravo podcasters, all the Bravo meme accounts, like all these people I know. And then they'd be like, Brian. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> like all I did was shave my mustache and like wear a hat. So you dress you know, uh, like a little a like Bart Simpson or something. Yeah, because I'm so used to you in a yeah. suit, seeing you in a sweatshirt. I was like, well, I hate this for you. Like, this is just not who you are. You know, <laughs> uh, have you, can you know. get any dirt like me? You know who I want to get dirt on? I want to get dirt on uh, Bethany. Now, why I bring Bethany up is I'm addicted to Big Shot with Bethany. I would run home to watch this absolute addictive train wreck of a show. A show, speaking of a show that has literally no purpose or no point. I mean, none. I, none. The, the challenges made no sense. Nothing made sense on it. I was like, I don't know. Was it produced? Was there just a guy with a phone? Was it, I mean, her, I, I don't know what it was, but I got to get your take on it and on her. I heard from somebody who worked on the show yes. that it was a nightmare because it was like Bethany trying to control it, Mark Burnett trying to control it, and no one knowing what it should be. So they're trying to like corral this run around, runaway train like the whole time. But it just seemed like a poorly conceived idea because clearly Bethany wants the show to be about her. Yes. And she's like the center of it, but... The thing about this Apprentice style show is, you know, Donald Trump was the star of The Apprentice, but he was barely on it. Like it was about the contestants and he would just kind of show up at the end. And but Bethany wants to be in it. So she's at all of the challenges, competitions and what she's, you want to yeah, call them that. Like in her underwear, yeah. 90% of the time in underwear. I was like, all right, listen, yes. you know, if I was also a Michael's Halloween skeleton, I'd also be in my fucking lingerie on camera, <laughs> but I'm not. So I wear clothes on camera, but go on. And also, well, and then she's talking directly to the camera and she's like explaining what she thought. And then she's pretending it's so hard to fire these people. And then she's bringing in people the last minute. And it was just like a train wreck, train wreck of a show. I'm sorry. It's over. I swear. I loved it. I was like, you know what? By the end, I was like, ugh, I miss because it was like fun to talk shit about it because she kind of begged you to really for me. It was let me see what she's wearing because I love her style. And oh, my God. The clothes are fantastic. Oh, phenomenal. Every outfit I was like literally shitting in my pants. And then also, I mean, it helps again that she's like a size quadruple zero. I know you have to go soon, so we'll wrap in a bit. But um, I could keep you here all day. I have like nothing to do. It's overcast in New York. I'm like, anyway, I know we need something to talk about in London. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait, wait, when are you coming back? By the way? Um, I get back to London the 10th of June. <gasps> and then you have to quarantine, right? For at least five days. For five days. 
and take a test. Three tests upon landing. Did you know that? Day two, day five, day eight. Yes. And it's expensive. You should book it now. And I'll send you the link to do it for cheap, which I only got after I booked mine for a lot of money. Okay. Um, One last thing, Brian Moylan. I'm noticing here, was there a Real Housewives of Hungary? How am I um, one of the few surviving Jewish Hungarians not apprised to this show? I I I gotta watch it. I couldn't... I couldn't find much about it online. I did watch the trailer, which seems amazing, but it is not translated into English. So, I mean, maybe you could get your mom to check it out for us. Oh my God, my mom should do the voiceover. What is, what are they saying? What, what is this? Okay. So she's, my mother doing the voiceover for the Hungarian housewives would become its own cult classic, like Pink Flamingos. People would not know what to do. She right. Well, she would be like on Love Island how they have a comedian like talking about it. Like that yes. would be your mom. Oh my god. Yeah, that's I what auditioned I want. to host Love Island here in the States. And um they were like, Oh, uh, wear something beachy, which if you know me, I'm like, okay. Like I had nothing. Like I look horrible and yellow. Like I was like, I don't know. So I wore this hideous dress, went in, was super funny. But just knew I was like, they're not going to hire a non-thin woman to host Love Island. Like they just won't. There's right. no because they have to have the person basically like Bethany every day in their skinny girl, you know, cam camis or whatever it is. And um, shockingly, I did not get the job. And actually, I do like the girl who got the job, so it made sense. Um, Ariel Vanderberg, I think is her name. But uh, yeah, dear friend, but you should be the comedian doing the voiceover. I think that's I, like your position anyway. I know, but actually the guy they have doing it here is funny. The American one. He's pretty he good. Funny. Yeah, He's I like him. Not as good as Ian Sterling, who does the Scottish oh. guy who does it in the UK. Well, He's because amazing. he's like the king of that. Like he's made that his, yeah. that's his bread and butter. Brian, I can tell, has to go to lunch with Price Peterson. So here's what I'm going to say about Brian. I can tell you know why I know? Because you're darting, your eyes are darting all around. Where are you, by the way? In such no, a beautiful I'm, house. Where are you? This is our LA apartment. You're kidding me. It's stunning. Can I stay there yeah, next time I go to L.A.? You can 100% stay here next I'll time you go to L.A. as long <gasps> as we're not here. Um, and it's it's a like 1920s, like old Hollywood building. So it is full of ghosts. Are, do you? Oh, is it? Ghosts love me, by the way. Adore. Um, Jimi Hendrix lived here. What? Marlon Brando lived here. No. Clara Bow lived here. Christian Slater currently has an apartment here. Wait, are you serious? How many apartments is in the complex? Yeah. Ten. If I saw Christian Slater, Untamed Heart, Christian Slater, like my face right now, I just got like a little bit lightheaded. I think I have to go to LA just to meet Christian Slater, but like play it obviously completely cool. Like you would not know. I'd be like, he's not could currently you? here. I'd like hit on the door. Can you pump down the volume? And then I'd laugh. I'd be like, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm Michelle. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> Big fan. You're like, Michelle, get out of my apartment. Um, um, the two on. bedroom next to our apartment is currently for rent furnished. If you want it. How much it's, is it? Um, 15,000 a month. You're actually fucking kidding me. <laughs> no, they, wow. t- they told me that. And I was like, what? How I was much like, I know paying? how much we paid. Uh, I mean, we own the apartment and Ooh. I know how much we paid for it. And you it, don't have to not, tell me. It's not wow. 15,000 a month. It, yeah, it wasn't even a million dollars. Can I ask you a favor? When I see you guys, can um, you and or Christian teach me how to not be a dumb fuck with my money and like buy something that actually other than like fashion <laughs> um, Nova dresses? Go on. That is like Christian's department. He has a gentleman who he like calls. It's like his personal Susie Orman. And he's like, yes Wait a minute. or no. I need that man in my life. I need. Okay. It's like, it's one of my great regrets not getting married because I know that if I had a husband, he would be the one who like, you're so lucky basically. Like that's why, like my vows would be like, I could never, I didn't know what my 401k meant. Like I, you know what I mean? I just feel like I want someone to explain money to me. I know Bitcoin now, you know, all these things. Brian Moylan, I can't wait to see you in mid-June. Um, and Christian's in London now, no? Christian's in London now. So if Uh-oh. you get there before me. You know what that oh, means. I am afraid of you and Christian's solo <laughs> hangout. I I'm mean. so excited. I'll see him every day, by the way. Um, I fucking love him so much. But Brian, I want to say, first of all, congratulations on this book. I, I just want people to know that you are literally one of the funniest writer, recapper, brilliant, brilliant mind. Um it's just a really fun book to read. It's also a great gift if like your mom watches The Housewives, your sad yes. aunt. Everyone look at me. I get like <laughs> 10 of them tomorrow. I'm like, I already have one. Uh, but if you if you just know anyone who loves the show, it's a great gift. It's called The Housewives. 
the real story behind The Real Housewives. It's out now. Brian Moylan. Follow him at Brian J. Moylan. Wait, who is the original Brian Moylan, by the way? Um, he is a writer and he writes about cars. That's and so bullshit. if you click on the Brian Moylan link on Amazon under my book, it brings you to all these like Irish car manuals. That's <laughs> And it's like the housewives and then like Irish car manuals. I'm going to have him on the show next week. He's going to be like, well, you know, the first time I got in a Toyota Camry, I thought, well, see, it's not bad. I can do Irish. No, that's good. Passable. Passable. I'll take it. 100%. Oh my God. Fabulous. Follow me at Call if you care to. (laughs) If you like this podcast, you can leave a review for us on Apple. And if not, just... DM me and just fuck talk off. shit to me. Just fuck off, but just tell me personally. You know what I mean? You don't have to like put it out there, you know? <laughs> just at me, DM me. At you me. Know. If you want to ask me or Dan out, leave that in the review. By the way, Brian, everybody asks Dan out. Nobody asks me out from this podcast. I'm like, what? <sighs> what do I got to do? Is Dan a straight gentleman or a gay gentleman? Dan is a handsome gay gentleman. Is that really the issue here? Probably. Hi, Dan. That's our time. We'll see you guys in a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Midnight Snack with Michelle Collins is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Gabe Lopez. Cover art by Ben Wiseman. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash team. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And that's the episode. We hope you loved it. Again, if you want to hear this show every single day, go to www.patreon.com slash mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. You can also follow me on Instagram X. TikTok, all the things. Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I'm running myself into the ground for content and I want you to be a part of it. So we'll see you over there. And thanks again for joining us. Bye, guys.